Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, catching up from long weekends. Uh, we had some stuff here with our students. It was a good weekend, and so, um, yeah. How about you? It was good. Uh, the I've been a little disappointed lately, though, because uh, the Orioles weren't able to keep uh, Machado, our star player, and, uh, you know, he went out west, and I think it will be a really, really long rebuild. I don't think we've signed literally anybody all off season. Yeah, I haven't. Now that you mentioned, I haven't heard about the Orioles making any big splashes. You know, paying Bryce Harper half a million dollars or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's been interesting to me that that the amount of money that the guaranteed money those guys can pull in, and um, you know, they can hit below the Mendoza line towards the end of that contract and still be raking it in. Yes, they can. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, it is ridiculous. They can hit terribly at the end of this contract. What do you think of that? Yeah, they probably will. Yeah, they will. What do you think of the uh, Har- the Bryce Hartford deal, though? Do you think that's uh, a little too long? That's a long time. I mean, he is young, so chances are I think they'll get the majority of of his prime. But uh, but yeah, I don't think when he's thir- was he twenty five now? Ah, uh, yeah, I know. I think he's yeah, he's right around there. So twenty five or twenty six. So. Yeah. I mean, you got to figure till he's probably 34, 35, he'll, unless his body just breaks down. But, um, he's had a lot of injuries. Eh, that's true. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't, <laughs> I mean, it's just sort of the way the game works now to get those big time guys. They want long term security. And, um, I guess teams are willing to fork out the money over the long haul for it. Yeah. You know, I was uh, reading something that mistakenly said that, uh, that Bryce Harper is now under contract for the longest of any major league player is under contract, which is not true. Uh, do you know who is actually getting paid? Uh, is in a contract to get paid for the longest amount of time still? Uh, who? Bobby Bonilla. Stanton? It's probably not, but Bobby Vanilla. That old player. Bobby. From... Ba- <laughs> you still getting? I nice. Yeah, if Bobby's uh, sitting back on the couch, I guess, or he could if he wanted to. Yeah, I read he's getting paid. Uh, he's going to be um, getting paid for about the next eight, ten years. He's been getting paid for a while still, but he's going to continue to get a paycheck every year, well past his retirement, for about the next eighteen years. Which coincidentally is about the amount of time that churches have access to. Kevin kids in Sunday school about 18 years you know they can go up into the adult Sunday school but we're over about that 18 that is... years so yeah so he he'll be under contract for about the amount of time that will be over Sunday school of somebody that's just newly born in our nurseries what do you think of that <laughs> I think that's amazing I just looked it up Bobby Bonilla is 56 years old um I'm guessing he probably couldn't hit a 100 mile an hour fastball anymore <laughs> but that's okay. Probably not. So, well, with that mention of about 18 years, you know, this is probably the weirdest and uh, most 
a stretched uh, segue of of all time, but you know we're going to be talking about that eighteen year period, and we're going to be talking about Sunday school during that eighteen year period. Uh, and so I want to go ahead and ask you, uh, Ben, uh, what is Sunday school? Well, it's the place where Jesus is always the answer to every question. Amen. I mean, that. <laughs> um, but but more seriously, it is. Um, Jesus is the answer, but uh, basically it's just a ministry of Christian education and instruction. They can take on different forms, uh, but it's often done before a service, after service. Um, but it's in some ways, considering the, the history of the church, we'll get into that in a minute, um, it's kind of new. I mean, towards the end of – it's about as old as America, you know, so yeah. – but America didn't invent it. No, we did not, so – yeah, I want to be clear uh, to listeners, you know, because the term Sunday school has a lot of different definitions and different kind of churches. So uh, there are some churches that do n- that only have one hour that they meet on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, and during the worship service, they have alternatives for kids that they call Sunday school. Uh, but that's not historically what Sunday school was. Instead, we're talking about what historically was Sunday school and has been Sunday school, at least in Baptistic circle, which is uh, a more specific uh, that uh, study that's given uh, based upon uh, sometimes demographics, based on age, sometimes based upon a topic uh, that is done in an additional hour, in a second hour. That's why we're calling the podcast Sunday Second Hour. Uh, and so we're talking kind of around that now rather than around a worship service alternative. But I want to ask, did you go to Sunday school as a child or as a youth? Yes, I did. Uh, starting around five or six, uh, most weeks I was in Sunday school. Um, now I did, my parents were divorced and so it's every other weekend kind of thing. Um, so, um, my one set of my parents d- did not regularly go to church. So those weekends I was not. But yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Sunday school, had some good teachers. Uh, I learned when I was in about fourth grade because we also had the offering, chance to give an offering in our Sunday school class. And I learned that you should not make change in the offering cash bag. That, that was um, that was something that would be in poor taste. And so I was rebuked by my Sunday school teacher. So how about you? Okay. Yeah. So for me, as a kid, uh, I, I think I went once. I've been told that I went once with my aunt and uncle. One time uh, when my parents were out of town, I was staying with them. Uh, and uh, I'm sure I was a ruckus, to say the least, in that Sunday school <laughs> class. Uh, and as a youth, uh, so I did not go to Sunday school. I was involved in the church as a teenager. Uh, as a, about 16, 17, 18, I was a Christian. And uh, I actually, it's embarrassing to admit it, but I didn't know that our church had Sunday school. I didn't know that Sunday school was a thing at the church until after I graduated high school. And then I was, oh, I could have come to church early every Sunday. <laughs> but <if it laughs> I just didn't know. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm sure I could have checked. I mean, websites were in their early forms back then. Uh, but I could have checked a website or could have uh, found some more information, but I just didn't know to ask. So, but so I first went to a Sunday school. The first time I really went to Sunday school was in college. I first started kind of experience it through a church that both you and I went to, uh, Grace Baptist Church, a really for a shorter time through, uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Church. But most of my first experience with Sunday school was at uh, Grace Baptist Church in Dakota, Georgia. Okay, cool. So later to the game, but... Yep. Technically east of Nolly, Georgia, by the way. 
That's right. It's on the edge there. <laughs> it is. So uh, I want to ask, you know, we are so big into equipping parents and and the role that a parent has in discipling their children and youth. Are, do you think that we're anti-Sunday school, Ben? Hey, man, it's not in the Bible. Just burn it. <laughs> Amen. Burn it at the stake. Uh, no, not at all. I, mean, I, I wish that more of the kids at our church came to Sunday school. Yeah. I agree with you. I love Sunday school. I think it's one of the most effective things that a church can do and the discipleship of young people and even adults uh, in addition to the service. Uh, you know, I think I we can see success of many people that have grown up in Sunday school, have been so deeply rounded and uh, and had, had growth through Christ in Sunday school. Uh, but, you know, I do hate abuses of it. I will say that I hate the ways in which Sunday school can be moralism sometimes, how Sunday school can uh, can sometimes seek to usurp the worship service as the most important hour of discipleship on Sunday for children and youth. Uh, but I, I do love Sunday school. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, I would, I would echo the things you said about some of the ways that Sunday school has been used in not so good ways. And uh, yeah. Now, is Sunday school as important as the worship service for minors or adults? No, I don't think so. I mean, I will say, well, no, I don't. It's not just I don't think so. No, for tiny kids, it is hard to know what they're soaking in, what they're perceiving, uh, how they're being shaped by it all, and part of that's because their ability to express it to you is is not fully developed. Um, in, in those cases, they may benefit more from interaction instruction and instruction on their level. Um, but at the same time, their parents need the worship service and, and that trickle-down effect that it has in the parents' life and then bringing it into the, their lives of their children. You can't fully measure that. And so um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's a good thing for even small children to be in the worship service. Um, now, I mean, I've got a son who's almost two He's not going to get a whole lot out of it. Now he may say, "Oh, you know, they do this every week," but I mean, he's not absorbing the <clears throat> uh, the message quite yet. So um, I don't think you want to make Sunday school a substitute for the, the gathering of the whole church. Yeah, I think we can do both. And uh, I think definitively, it's nowhere near. It's not as important. Uh, you know, I will say we've talked about pragmatism and uh, about consumerism recently, and the pragmatist within me says, yeah, clearly Sunday school is more important than the worship service. And I think that's where most people come to that perspective, which many people do. I've known Sunday school teachers. I've known church leaders that have this perspective. Uh, but I think that if we say that Sunday school is more important than the worship service, uh, even for minors, we effectively act as if we know better than the Bible's plan for our worship. Uh, I mean, and God knew humanity. God knew what we best needed, and God prescribed the worship service in the way that He just simply didn't for Sunday school. And I don't think He's accidental in that. Uh, I don't think it's accidental that God never thought of the great idea of having a time uh, where uh, third graders are separate uh, and having their just intentional Sunday school time, and where forty-five-year-old moms are separate and having their intentional Sunday school time. I think those things are good, but I think that God clearly is not accidental in prescribing the worship service, but not requiring those things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I just, we have to be so careful that when we act like we know better than what's God's plan. Uh, but where did Sunday school come from? 
Well, um, it was an opportunity to teach people to read using the Bible. I mean, it was a form of, of literacy training and stuff for working class families. Um, it started in England in the 1780s from what I've seen. And uh, pretty quickly it spread to the U.S. And in less than 100 years, it had become – um, almost a standard thing in, in many churches and, and for most kids. Uh, you know, working class people were, even their children, were working long hours and didn't, the school was not really much of an option. And so there was a chance for them to to have some training to, to learn to read and things like that. And uh, they could use the Bible for it. And so um, it was a good evangelistic opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh... You're spot on in that. Uh, some details I found out when I was uh, doing a lot of study, actually a while ago, and then kind of re-researching it. Uh, so you're right, 1780s. In fact, uh, most sources say William King might have been the first one to start a Sunday school around 1780. Uh, but this was so immensely successful that by 1785, there were, according uh, to some studies in England, there were 250,000 uh, people in Sunday school within five years of it coming about. Isn't that crazy? Wow, I didn't realize it was that caught on that quickly yeah so uh and like you said it was for working kids uh, an evangelistic effort i uh, wasn't really uh, church kids were in early times were not just not active in using it uh but at times especially in the early years in england it was discouraged that church kids would utilize sunday school it was again almost entirely evangelistic Majestic. But uh, uh, I was reading a study that said by 1920, though, things had evolved over that first kind of 140 years of Sunday school. And by 1920, it had become more of an in-reach than an outreach. And that's kind of where we're at today, where Sunday school is more the greater discipleship uh, and more of the in-reach towards our children, towards our youth, towards our adults even now, uh, than it is an outreach-based ministry, which isn't a bad thing inherently. I think there's a beauty in what Sunday school has done, and there was an, also a different kind of beauty in what Sunday school was. That's interesting. I, I did not know the, the depth on that. And uh, yeah, I mean, even today, if it were a much more evangelistic, I mean, there presents some problems, you know, I mean, not even that long ago, people were going out in vans and buses and people just, yeah, let the kids hop on. And I mean, you just cannot do that now, at least not in America. No. Um, and, and so getting the, the people there presents quite a challenge. Yes. Now, are there any biblical or theological basis for if we do Sunday school or not, or how we do it if we do Sunday school? Well, like you said, Sunday school itself isn't mandatory, but instruction and training in the, in the Bible is. And so to me, it seems that the sermon itself, um, that that's not the primary or the only point of the sermon. The sermon does teach and instruct but it's not just that. And so it seems like a good idea to have something, whether it's Sunday school or something like that, where there can be further instruction um, in helping to form a biblical worldview, to understand Scripture, to learn how to apply it to life, to how, how to obey it. And so um, I think there are some elements there that make it a really good idea. And I mean, you know, the church before Sunday school, as we know it existed, I mean, there were other there were ways the church – uh, catechized and instructed people, and so I mean, that's, they passed down the faith for you know seventeen hundred plus years uh, before we had what we call Sunday school. Yeah. Um, 
And so as far as the how, I mean, I think there's certainly things that you'd want to or even should cover. That's a matter of wisdom on exactly how you do it or the kind of curriculum or the format or these kinds of things. So um, I think that's not all cut and dry, but... Yeah, that's some great perspective. Uh, so I think one theology in that uh, basis for Sunday school in some ways, even though it's, again, not prescribed in the Bible, I think a right theology of the Holy Spirit understands that he uses the study of the Word of God to change us. And also that speaking the Bible into each other's lives changes us as well. Uh, both of those kinds of things uh, ex- all, both for children and for youth and adults are at play in Sunday school. And so I think there's a biblical basis for the faint type of things that we do in Sunday school, whether we do them in Sunday school, whether we do them Thursday night or whatever. But that kind of act that we do in Sunday school is a good biblical Christ honoring thing. Uh, and I think Romans 15, 4 uh, actually even goes into that kind of study that we're to have. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement uh, they provide, we might have hope. And to me, that is just such a, a great approach to Sunday school and a biblical approach to Sunday school. Uh, but on the flip side of that, though, I think you need to look at, again, the one biblical a thing to consider in Sunday school is, like he said, it's not uh, it's not ordered, but Hebrews four twelve does tell us, for the word of God is living and active, uh, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So even though it's not prescribed, it's something that if we study the word together, God can strongly, incredibly use. That's, yeah, that's great to bring in the Holy Spirit and his role in using the word to transform us. Now, how is Sunday school especially beneficial uh, to children and potentially youth? I think it helps to frame God's story and their thinking and their feeling about God. Uh, It's not the only place, or hopefully it's not the only place that they're getting that, but it it is foundational, especially when you're talking about kids, but it could be a, a a youth who has not come from a Christian home or, you know, whatever it may be, limited exposure, um, you are helping to lay groundwork for them. And I mean, we're going to get into this more um, later, I think, but there are some things that maybe that that setting can provide that's a little different than your house. Um, There's the expectation of we're coming here for this teaching time. And generally, your Sunday school class is going to last longer than if if your family does family worship, family devotions. Um, Generally, you're going to have more time for that instruction um, than, I mean, mean, probably most families, especially if you have younger children. Um, And so I think it can help do that. Um, And so – you know, some families, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this. You may just decide to read a verse or two if you're doing family worship and just sort of meditate on that. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So you don't. I mean, I think it's good to have some sort of plan of what you're going to do and not just pick random Bible verses. But I mean, there's there's times where I just I just last night I read uh, two or three verses from Psalm 147. And it was getting a little hectic with the kids, and it was just, well, this is who uh, God doesn't delight in the strength of the horse or the um, the strength of a warrior, the legs of a man, uh, but his delight is those who hope in his unfailing love. And I was like, okay, here's some thoughts as you go to bed. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, but hopefully my the Sunday school teachers at, um, at my church, they're doing more instruction than that, and, you know, the, the setting allows for more of it. Yeah. 
So, um, uh, my thoughts on this is, uh, oh, I remember a few, uh, about a year and a half ago, I was talking to somebody and they asked me, uh, Tony, uh, should we, uh, that, uh, should the children, should children, get the benefits of the intergenerational worship service or should they uh, get age-based lessons uh, directed towards their specific needs and I think the answer to that is yes <laughs> and <laughs> uh, you know and and that we're both talking from a place of advocating to one degree or another that children benefit and youth benefit from the intergenerational worship service together uh, but when you do that I think Sunday school is especially important the reality is that children and youth do benefit in probably ways that I think that adults don't as much benefit from uh, lessons that are really directed towards where they're at, what their unique struggles are, uh, what uh, that what their level of understanding is. So I think it complements. I think Sunday school historically has and now should complement uh, our intergenerational work. Uh, but uh, I think they need that extra absorption, no matter what, even if you have alternatives, I think having that uh, extra absorption for young people that they're surrounded with the word of God is really beneficial in the work of Sunday school and, and work of children, Sunday school and youth as well. <clears throat> so what kind of problems do you have to navigate with a Sunday school model, though? So there's the limitations that you have to deal with with the space you have to use. Um, the gifting of the leaders, the teachers that you might have, um, what resources you might have available to you. Um, so this, I don't know if that's what you that's were good. asking. No, that's good. So okay, that's good. So yeah, those are some good responses. I would add a problem that you can sometimes navigate, especially in a more some more traditional churches, like some traditional churches that we've been equating with sometimes. Uh, I think that there are times in which Sunday school can become an idol uh, and it can try to take the first chair in a level of importance that it doesn't have as much as it is important. We must understand the priority, priority scripture gives of things. Uh, but also, as you mentioned, all of it, it takes so much uh, space. It takes so much staff. I mean, even for our church, you know, we actually have to have an addition to our building. We have two houses that we own so that we can have Sunday school because it would be almost impossible with our building to do it otherwise. Uh, but I think you also need to be intentional with these large amounts of teachers. Uh, it's, it's so easy to just get a large amount, get anybody who's willing because we got to staff all this crazy Sunday school. Uh, but we need to be intentional and it's a problem that you have to navigate and how do you find and make sure that the teachers that you have are, are biblically qualified, uh, have a knowledge of the word and a growing active faith. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, those are, that can be the, and that's from children on up to adults. Um, you don't necessarily just want to put a warm body in there. Sometimes though you, you feel the pressure that you will need somebody to, to do this. Uh, I was actually talking to a, a guest speaker uh, came to our church this weekend about uh, their church and he said, you know, they were dealing with some of those things with um, some older adult classes where they had been together yep. for literally 40 years and I mean they had their own Sunday school class president and piano player and things like that and you know, he, he said it had kind of become like a little church and um, you know, I've seen that kind of scenario play out before and uh maybe more attachment to that than the, the worship service um where the whole church is gathered so yeah 
Why do you think so many parents skip Sunday school for their whole families? Uh, because they missed last week. Um, and what I mean by that is that just the, the habit forming mm. effect. Um, if you've gotten in the habit of it and it's just, well, it's a little easier the next time. Uh, I don't think that's the only thing at play, but I think that that can become, it's just, oh, well, we're getting used to sleeping in a little bit later or doing whatever. And um, I, I do think that that's a, a big part of it. I, I'm not going to try to give proportions. Um, I think some people as part of that, or maybe even just distinct from it, um, may undervalue the opportunity for biblical instruction for themselves and for their kids. I mean, maybe just like, oh, you know, it's just Bible stories. They they probably heard of those before. Uh, or thinking for themselves, you know, I'm really tired. I, what am I really going to get by studying Matthew this morning or, you know, whatever it may be that they're supposed to be going through and the group that they're part of. Um, I mean, I, I think there can be a lot of things at play, but I think those those rise to the surface for me. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that. I think you really hit the nail on the head, especially on, I think, how tired it can be. And, you know, and I do have some sympathy for those, you know, with young kids getting to Sunday school. It's hard, you know. Uh, and <laughs> But I think one way that we can look at it is I think sometimes parents do miss it because they fail to plan their weekend around it, uh, you know, and some I know of some Christian families that might decide to allow uh, Saturday to be the latest bedtime of the week uh, in a way that's really prohibitive of possibly getting to church on time for Sunday school uh, instead of planning that you really want to dive into the work together as a family. Uh, but I mean, I, I do get it though. I get the exhausting nature of having, especially young kids and getting them to church a little bit early, but I think it's worth it. Uh, yeah, I do too. And I mean, my poor wife, uh, you know, she's for a while she was getting three ready because I, I was having to get here uh, a good bit earlier. And for a while we had two services when, when I first came here. And so, I mean, she was not going to come for two services. Um, and so uh, we only had two at that point. But then after my uh, our third was born, then I started taking one child. And then it started, we got to where just I brought both my older kids. Um, they could come and sort of help me. Um, sometimes they helped, sometimes they hindered, but. Um, they've gotten where I can sort of send them on missions around the church, you know, while I'm getting ready. Uh, and I think that's really fun, but, um, yeah, there's for the, for those moms out there, their husbands are in ministry or something, or their yes. husbands gets there early. That that's, um, that's hard. We're in the spiritual work, getting those kids ready. And, um, yeah. so I applaud them. Yes. Our wives are saints uh, for that work. So. <laughs> But, uh, you know, is it a sin then to miss Sunday school? People should repent in dust and ashes. Um, no, I mean, you can't put that burden on somebody's conscience. I mean, just Sunday school is not in the Bible. Yep. But at the same time, if someone rarely comes, I think you, you kind of wonder and you might even ask, well, why are they missing an opportunity to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and how to obey him? Um, and, you know, different churches have different models of, of what that, that time looks like. Some it's more instruction-based, some it's more small group, some kind of, of a hybrid. And, I mean, some's just the, you know, the gossip hub. But yeah. that one aside, um, I think that it is just you go, well, why, don't, why aren't you taking advantage of that, you know? Uh, and, and there could be some legitimate reasons. I think often it's probably not the most legitimate reasons for – you know, why people are not taking advantage of that time. 
Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with you. It's definitely not sin. And if we were to say that it's sin, if any of we, if we even, I think, come close to saying that it's sin, we are guilty of the error of the Pharisees, which was to uh, create new laws that God has never made and holding as a burden over others, kind of like you described. Um, uh, but uh, I think that there are uh, many other effective ways to do the same kind of thing of diving deeper. The principle of Sunday school is what we really want to focus on rather than the concept of Sunday school in and of itself. I think Sunday school is a great way to do that principle of studying deeper, especially in an age-related way. But, you know, if your family gets it some other way, praise the Lord for that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we should guilt people that are being diligent and involving their children, involving their youth in ways that they can dive deeper and even connect to the church that don't involve getting up really early on Sunday mornings while they're being faithful for the worship service. So I think mm. just saying that you should go doesn't mean it's sin to not go. Mm. Uh, but does, with that said, does it matter at all if you just sleep in and go to church or and go to church alone? Well, I mean, I, I kind of kind of hit on that before. I think there is a lot to be gained um, by coming for that time. Now, you know, most every church I've ever been a part of had Sunday school as the time before the worship service. Now, in some churches, they have multiple services or um, whatever, it, it, but it may be after the worship service. Um, but I think it is worth that extra effort. Um, so I think it, it, it raises the question, well, what is it that you're doing? How else are you trying to uh, get the word in uh, for yourself, for your children, and uh, to grow in that and serve, you know, these different kinds of things? So I don't think it's irrelevant. Yeah. Now, I think that your answer really covered it. Uh, the, should we allow uh, just anybody who likes kids to teach children at any youth Sunday school? After all, we need a whole lot of people to man this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, and this is, we, we've talked to uh, him before, but Brian Dimbo, Dimbozich, Dimbovich, <laughs> I don't know exactly how you pronounce his name. There's a lot of vowel, or a lot of consonants in that name. Uh, but he wrote a book called Gospel-Centered Kids Ministry. It's actually sitting on my desk right here. Um, but he talked about those who work with kids. Then I think it definitely extends to students as well, the youth, um, that they ought to be among the best theologians in the church. Because if you can explain the truths of the Bible to a child or to a uh, student, you understand it well. And so we want people who have a really good grasp on those things. They understand it so well that they can explain it in plain terms um, to, to people who are younger in their development. And so um, – I mean, I, I, we were talking about in our staff meeting earlier, so I heard someone say, or it was relayed to me that someone in our church said, oh, well, if you want to start teaching, um, you know, teach kids, because oh, if you mess up, well, they won't know. And there's there's some truth to that. I mean, if, if you make a, a blunder or you just don't um, prepare that well, or I don't know, I'm not talking about teaching heresy, but if you say some things, they're, they're not going to be as aware, but there's the danger there. And so that's, I don't yeah. want to just trot anyone out there. Um, and they're teaching that all religions, you know, lead to the Lord and things like that. And so, um, it, it is a, it's a pretty weighty responsibility. I mean, um, James says not many of you should be teachers. Yeah. It is James, right? Yeah. James says that. Okay. I thought it was James. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think it is something to 
um, you ought to be careful. You don't just want warm, warm bodies. Yeah. So I, I like your uh, use of James there. I mean, the reality is that even teaching toddlers uh, in the toddler Sunday school, I mean, is it ultimately a teaching ministry of the church? And and the Bible is very clear that those who are in charge of teaching uh, should have a healthy theology, should have a grip on the Bible. That doesn't mean that we're going to expect the same things from somebody who teaches a third grade Sunday school that we're going to expect of somebody who preaches the word of God uh, for the worship service, you know. But it does mean that we're going to have some level of expectation. And it also means that we're going to invest in training our leaders into theologians. Uh, we're going to invest in equipping them uh, through even things like you mentioned, a great resource and a similar resource that I actually think influenced that book was Show Them Jesus by Jack Klumperhauer, uh, which I'd like to get in the hands of, of a great deal of our teachers of Sunday school. Uh, and so that, you know, that they might be competent and equipped. Uh, but they, I mean, they need to have uh, that kind of healthy theology. Uh, but it's better Ultimately, I think then it's better to not have Sunday school or better to not have alternatives uh, than to have it without healthy teachers. The reality is having it, uh, just having it so that you can have it without the healthy teachers to staff it is not going to be in the good of the church. It's not going to be in the good of the kingdom and it's going to do far more damage than good. Yeah, well said. What are some helpful curriculums that you like for the Sunday school hour? Well, to be honest, I'm not uh, super familiar with a wide range of them. Um, my at the church that I was just a member of before I moved here, um, they they were using the Gospel Project for kids, and so my my child was using that, and I liked it from what I saw that, you know, the take home materials. And then at the same time you were teaching that at your church in Kentucky and you gave me your feedback on it. And, um, I also, I've, so anyway, when we came here, that was what they were using. I didn't want to come in guns a blazing and just start changing everything. And so, um, but we finished a, a, you know, a volume of that. However, they decided, you know, a cycle of it going through the whole Bible in three years and I liked it. I liked the chronological aspect of it and tying things to Jesus. And so uh, I've been happy with that by and large. Yeah, it's it's very it's well produced, and the the content, which is the biggest thing I'm after, is very good. Um, I've got a little exposure to uh, Children Desire God or True Seventy Eight material. Um, I taught some children's stuff at the church I was at, uh, just as a you know volunteering and. I thought it was fairly good. I got some feedback from someone else at the church who said they didn't think that all of it connected well with the kids. Um, I've heard good things about it. Now, it takes a pretty strong line on particulars about God's sovereignty. So if you're Methodist or you know Assembly of God or something, probably not for you. Um, but I think there's there's other material out there that is good. I've just I've been happy with what we're using and uh, I don't think it's a good idea, especially with kids, but with youth as well, to just pick something and do it for a little bit and then go to something else. Like let it, let a cycle finish, especially because if it's a good, good curriculum, it's going to have some sort of plan, a scope and sequence. And so um, you want your kids to see, and I, I like, especially for kids, a chronological approach, or at least that to be yeah. part of what you're doing at some point, it may not be in Sunday school, mm -hmm. but so that they see that, you know, Moses and Jesus are not contemporaries. Um, and because they don't, you know, we just kind of assume they know that and they don't. 
And so it's very helpful for them to see that laid out, especially and, and see it repetitively laid out. Yeah. So um, for me, I've seen several. I've, I've interacted with uh, several, including some of the ones that you use, uh, that you've mentioned that you've interacted with, some of those that you've mentioned before. Um, and I, I've used a Gossel Project a good deal, and I really like Gossel Project. And I want to especially say that Gospel Project is really excellent for churches that don't take much of a stance on Calvinism, Arminianism, predestination versus just pure free will. Uh, it doesn't, it's intentionally kind of vague on that topic so that those who are kind of in both camps can use it. And I really want to recommend for those situations. Uh, we're, I was at a church before that did not take the stance of predestination and we used that and it was great for us. Uh, whereas, uh, now I'm at a church where we use true 78, which is like you said, formerly children desiring God. And that's excellent. I've actually used it at the, a church I was at before in Kentucky as well before we switched to Gospel Project. And I think that's really good resource, especially if your church does tend to uh, uh, embrace predestination and things like that, because it does talk a lot about that uh, within the curriculum, because it is from Desiring God. Uh, and uh, but the last no one, surprise, <laughs> yeah. And the last curriculum I've really been impressed by, uh, but the production values probably aren't as good as the first two with this one, just because it's just a product really of one church in North Carolina, and that's Treasuring Christ, which was made by Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I think it's just an excellent. I think if the production values were there in the way that other ones were, I think this would be, to me, by far the best curriculum that I know of. Uh, but I think regardless of whether you pick one of these or something else, uh, one thing I like to do uh, to uh, look at curriculums is I like to uh, kind of study them and study a variety of different lessons to see what their focal point is. Uh, so one I like to turn to a lot over and over is the story of David and Goliath. Uh, and I like to see how a uh, how a uh, Sunday school curriculum takes that. If they take it as I can I can be brave and I can beat the difficult situations in my life, uh, then I think I'm not going to choose that one because that's not the point of it. Instead, it should show the greatness of our God. If it takes the story of the Good Samaritan and tells it as a lesson and how you should be a good neighbor rather than how rather than how Christ is the ultimate good neighbor, which is I think the point of the passage. Uh, I'm not going to pick it. I'm going to pick one that's more God-centered. And I also think, I mean, as a general thing, if it mentions the gospel once or twice a year, rather than being enriched with the gospel, rather than seeing the whole Bible as put together as one ultimate story of King Jesus, uh, then I think it's something that you should never even remotely consider. Uh, those are good guidelines. And we've talked about curriculum problems before. Um, and so I mean, we just highlighted some ones that were good. There's also ones out there. I mean, one of the in our preschool area, um, there was a some material being used, and one of well, actually, yeah, my children were in that stage when we first arrived here, and so I was getting some of the the take home material, and the story about Jesus feeding the five thousand, and the big takeaway was Jesus helps people, and I thought, wow, that's you're talking about selling kids short. Um, it, I mean, that really, I, I thought, even though they're four or five years old, they can understand there's something yeah. special about Jesus. Um, who do you know that can feed 5,000 people with, or, or plus, with one kid's lunch? Um, I mean, I think they can get that he is more than just someone who helps people. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, when the 
not that long into the game, I, I changed that and just got them on with what the rest of the children were doing with the Gospel Project. Um, one thing I liked it because they were getting the same lesson as maybe yeah. an older sibling, and I just thought that the material itself was better. Yeah. So that's good. So, and I think there's a lot of benefits. Uh, there are some churches that will kind of embrace the mentality of just having one lesson for one grade and a, an entirely different curriculum for another. I just think that's a mess and not a wise idea to do. Uh, but yeah. does Sunday school undermine the parents' discipleship of their own kids and youth? And that's actually something I know we're going to talk more about in our next episode. Uh, but uh, just in general for today. I think that it can, for sure. There can be the idea that, well, I'm bringing them to church and they're going to teach them what they need to know. And that may be because the parent's just being spiritually lazy. It could be that the parent doesn't really know that much about Scripture themselves. Um, but I think that a church and the teachers and the classes, the leaders can work to emphasize that they're partnering with the parents. And so this this ministry of the Sunday school, this, this time for instruction is meant to come alongside the parents and to support them. And so they're just trying to, to also pour into the kids, but they're not trying to replace them. But I think it, it does take some effort to to get that across. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So. I actually knew a Sunday school teacher uh, that uh, she really loved the kids that she worked with. And she had a good heart and sometimes. Uh, but she would often say uh, that uh, the discipleship of kids belongs to her. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, and that uh, she would almost have an antagonism towards uh, parents uh, and see that them as the obstacle of her work of discipling uh, their kids. Uh, and so I think in that case is yes, Sunday school does undermine the parents' discipleship of their own kids and youth. Uh, but ordinarily, no. Uh, in fact, I think it can bolster it. And one way that it bolsters it is things like, I mean, we mentioned with the Gospel Project, it does a lot of work uh, to give uh, these take-home sheets that even come from apps uh, that you can download on your phone, uh, where you can bring in what's taught in Sunday school into the, ho- into the household, into the teaching in the home. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just learning this more and more. You, you've got to communicate in a number of different ways because not everybody reads the email. Not everybody gets the the take-home paper um, or they don't read the take-home paper or uh, whatever it may be. And so just trying to get that across in as many different ways as possible so that parents have an opportunity to see this is what we're talking about. This is maybe our memory verse, these kinds of things. And then um, that's something we're trying to grow in, emphasizing that to the parents about working on the scripture memory at home and doing it as a family. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, now, the last question for this episode is, uh, how can Sunday school become our biggest bridge between home and church discipleship or a significant bridge at least? <clears throat> well, some of what I was just saying, I think that giving the resources um, – do whatever you can to inform the parents, bring them into the conversation of this is what we're teaching. Uh, this is even why we're teaching what we're teaching and to, to give them those, those take home resources, whether it's by email and that's, I mean, we try to, I've kind of gotten away from posting the, the Sunday school lesson stuff on Facebook. I did it for a while. Um, I don't think it was really that useful. So I just did away with it, but, um, send out an email weekly and then we also we do the take home papers and we also try to start doing these take home cards that has like the main points of the lesson. It has a memory verse on the back. Um, and then we're hopefully this week going to be getting a TV that's 
out in a very prominent area that's going to have slides going through talking about, the, the, you know, this is the memory verse we're working on for Sunday school. Um, this is what we're doing on our Wednesday night thing. And the kind of the big, qu- each of them have a big question and a big answer element or something, something similar to that and explaining, you know, what is worship or what is sin or the, these kinds of things. And so the parents are seeing it, grandparents in the church are seeing because we have a number of grandparents that are trying to intentionally influence their kids spiritually. And so I think it's it just takes being doing it on purpose and really over communicating it. Yeah, that's good. I agree with that. So uh, one thing uh, our church does that I think really bridges between Sunday school is we the Sunday school, anything from children's iron God highly, highly, highly emphasizes verse memorization, specifically what they call their fighter verses, which are great. Uh, but that's meant to not just be a time where you get it done. Uh, at Sunday school on Wednesday night, but it's meant to be Sunday school and Wednesday night are the time in which you give these kids that work that needs to be done with their parents discipling them at home. Uh, and I think, though, that we need to do more and more of this. Uh, at our at the previous position, I'll acknowledge that I did a lot uh, with Sunday school lessons to bring that in to allow, uh, make sure that parents got information so that they can disciple based upon what was happening in Sunday school. Uh, and I don't do as much uh, here right now, but I think that's something I, I need to improve upon uh, for the ministry of our kids. Yeah, one thing I... I would add too, and this is to give credit to one of my Sunday school teachers or one of the Sunday school teachers here at our church. He's not my leader, but uh, his name's Patrick. And when his one of his sons, who's now in college, was in second or third grade, his Sunday school teacher Richard at the time um, just made a cold call visit to his house. And this is just this guy Richard has his personality; he could do that. Patrick and I uh, would not, uh-huh. but. He, he just showed up and he said he wanted to know, you know, find out more about Patrick's son. You know, there are things that I should be aware of, you know, things that, um, you know, about him just, just so I can know how to minister to him when he's there with me. And, you know, he was showing an interest in Patrick's son and it, it, it uh, showed Patrick, oh, well, this, you know, made a big impact, but also it kind of amped up his own spiritual engagement with his his children and uh, he and his wife have done from everything I've seen have done a great job um, trying to disciple their kids and you know he and I've had a number of conversations about it and so he brought it to me recently he said hey why don't we start trying to do that like I would really like to go uh, he said now let's schedule these because I don't you know he and I don't have the charisma to just show up at somebody's house um, but to schedule those and so it shows the parents hey we're really trying to partner with you in this um, how can we best minister your child is there ways we can encourage you and I, that's one of those I mean I just thought that was a great idea so we're trying to schedule those you know as we speak and so I would if you have an opportunity to do that um, I would yeah. commend that yeah that's good so I well thank you for joining us I think there's a good discussion and uh, be sure to get your kids in Sunday school and go yourself too while you're at it or heck serve while you're at it that's right, and bring the donuts. Amen. <laughs> really good ones. Maybe some of those cronuts. Those cronuts are the best. So. Cronuts was that? <laughs> a mixture of croissants and donuts. So uh, oh, ho- okay. hopefully for listeners, that will be your blessing to leave this episode with. Go get cronuts. God bless. <laughs> Amen. Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. 
a podcast for parents, as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application 